JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. By the Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline, 17-year NBA vet. NBA Today, that's weekdays 4 until 7, Sirius XM, NBA Radio. You can find him there. You can find him, I'm assuming, here in town because back in the 90s, spent a couple of seasons here. We're talking about Eddie Johnson, who joins us now. Hello, Eddie. How are you? I'm well. Yourself? I love talking about you, and I love talking about guys that I grew up really loving. And you, for being a shot maker anywhere on the floor. I mean, now, like, anybody makes shots everywhere. But you were like others that any spot on the floor was yours. And, you know, there's always been this whole microwave mentality. He's going to come in and he can put, you know, immediate points on the board. You've always been to me part of that group and even with the evolution of the NBA you look back to the era in which you played you have to look at that especially as I do as well yeah I mean thank thank you for the compliment but yeah I mean obviously it's just the the era I I grew up in man I, I but obviously I grew up in an era where you know you had to be able to shoot the ball at all spots on the floor uh and today's game is a little bit different you know, you got guys that just shoot threes. You got guys that just post up. A little bit one-dimensional at that. Uh, analytics tries to put them in the spots where they can do damage. And I would have gotten a headache if I had to deal with all that stuff. Uh, like, just give <laughs> well, me the ball, man, and yes. I'll score. Like, I, exactly. you know, wherever I am. I mean, if I'm 15 feet, if I'm 22 feet, just give it to me on either side, I'll score. And that was our mentality <clears throat> as basketball players. And uh, so it's a little bit different in today's game. So Eddie Johnson with us from NBA and Sirius Radio. It's a former NBAers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You know, the other thing that sticks out to me is now, really on all levels, I mean, you are put in a category where you also have to get the ball to anywhere you want on the floor, too. It's not so much the passing game, the crisp passing it is, for somebody off the dribble to be able to get to any place on the floor as well. That's another change that we have seen. It kind of goes from great team-wise passing to just somebody dribbling to get to that spot on the floor for them or a teammate. That's also how it's changed. Yeah, and it's a change, obviously, I don't like uh, because I just truly believe that you can get to your spot and then when you get there, the ball gets to you and you don't have to do anything but shoot. And in today's game, you're correct. I mean, guys are more wanting to get to that spot on their own instead of off the ball. And that's why when we watch Curry play, you know, Steph Curry play, we're just like, we're amazed. And we throw out so many accolades because we don't see that anymore. And when I watch Steph play, it's like, I did that all the time. You know, when Reggie Miller would see Steph do that, I did that all the time. Ray Allen, yeah. I did that all the time. I mean, Kiki Vandeweghe. I mean, tremendous guys that played off the ball did it all the time. And in today's game, I think it's a lack of trust at times where coaches don't want the ball to hit multiple hands. They'd rather keep it in the hands of that guy and let him create. And uh, at times it kind of bogs down the game. Uh, but the guys in today's game, you have to give them credit. A lot of guys that are excellent at putting that ball down and getting to their spot. It's uh, Eddie Johnson who joins us. NBA All-Star Weekend, I guess officially, kind of unofficially getting underway. We're at Brothers Downtown on Meridian with Michelob Ultra and NBA Jam. I, I was talking to Chris Finch yesterday who was on the show, the Western Conference All-Star coach, the head coach at Minnesota. And I kind of jokingly, Eddie said, hey, um, 
Do you have any plays, you know, diagrammed up? You're going to go to the playbook at the beginning of the game. And I said, it'd be funny if you, like, called, like, some uh, motion flex offense out for these guys. And then they wouldn't know what the hell they were going to do because you got to run around a little bit and get a pass. And there's not a lot of dribbling. We had a laugh about that. I said, hey, maybe just go ahead and go with the high ball screen. That's where you initiate basically every offense nowadays and go with that, huh? Yeah, well, basically, I think based on what we've seen over the last few years, and I hope it changes this year, we've just seen guys take the ball out of bounds. Whoever got the ball out of bounds went down and shot. Uh, it's just been that kind of game. I'm hoping that, you know, the the changes that the NBA has made uh, over the last year, especially, that these guys will put more value in the game and, and be more competitive for uh, at least 36 minutes of the game uh, instead of, like, the last five. So that's what I'm hoping for. But, yeah, it's just difficult to really put in a, a system. I think, if anything, he'll he'll design a play during timeouts, you know, maybe put an out-of-bounds play in. But other than that, these are all-stars. These are guys that the, are the alpha dogs on their team. And so they're very smart, and they know exactly what it's going to take to get themselves a chance to win. So Eddie Johnson is with us. I, I can't remember. I know you've seen the Pacers a couple of times live this year. Uh, we talked to Frank Vogel back when you guys were in town about three weeks ago. Um, but what do you make from what you have seen? And I'm talking about, in this case, Eddie, the evolution of the Pacers star Tyrese Halliburton. He's going to start his first NBA All-Star game. A lot of accolades certainly coming his way. You know, he's that defining piece, certainly, of a growing Pacer team. What do you think about the evolution of his game to where it is right now? Yeah, you know, he's gotten a lot of accolades, and and people obviously are marveling over the way the Pacers are playing, Uh, the way Rick Carlisle has gotten these guys to buy in, to be in top shape pushing the ball every time, whether it's a make or a miss. And that's why I think Carlisle is definitely at the, up there at the top in regards to coach of the year uh, based on what he's done. But Halliburton, man, look, he he's fundamentally sound. And that's the one thing I don't hear enough of when it comes to him. Like, he's fundamentally sound, meaning that he puts himself in the right position to make the right pass. Whether he's got to take an extra dribble to the right or left, whether he gives a ball fake, all of those things that you're taught in high school, and a lot of these guys have forgotten it, but he has held on to it. And now he's using it to his advantage, and he's just embarrassing people with his fine play. You know, he's throwing up 15 assists and not getting one turn on. You know how difficult that is? Like, those are the things that I'm more impressed with than anything, past the scoring. Uh, I just think he's a tremendous young player. And just to think that Sacramento had he and De'Aaron Fox on the same team. And when you watch <laughs> both of them play, you realize that, yeah, that, that was the right thing for Sacramento to do. Because one of those they, one of those guys would be holding the other back. These two guys are alpha dogs. They needed to be on their own team. And right now they're showing it. Uh, but Halliburton, man, he's, he's, he's fun to watch, man. And, He's a guy to my own heart because he talks a lot of smack, and I love it. <laughs> Eddie Johnson joins us. NBA Today, that's weekdays, 4 until 7 on Sirius XM. NBA Radio, he's with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You know, you mentioned that deal with Sacramento and the Pacers. I mean, really, as much as Sacramento needed to unload somebody to go with one because both just wasn't going to work for them, the same thing can be said about the Pacers with Sabonis and with Turner. I mean, somebody was going to have to go. And rarely do you see these deals work out as well as this deal has worked out for both teams. You know, you're correct. You're correct. Uh, you know, I guess after you see it in hindsight, you kind of wish that, man, I wish they, I wish these two could have really coexisted together because look how good we'd be. But a lot of times it does, just doesn't work that way. Uh, the other guy needs his freedom. He needs the confidence to know that he's the guy. And uh, he's the guy that can lead. And that's exactly what both of them are doing. Miles Turner is playing an excellent brand of basketball. He's using his big bodies to set screens, put himself in the way. And in putting himself in the way, he's getting high percentage shots, probably the most high percentage shots he's gotten in his career so far. And, look, I understand. You know, look, when, you, when you're a professional, man, everything's not going to go smoothly. And I know he dealt with over a few years where he was always mentioned in trade rooms. But that's okay. 
just part of it. And I really, really respect his professionalism through it all. Uh, I didn't hear much chatter back from him at all. Uh, and then ultimately the Pacers rewarded him in season. And you don't see that much. You don't see a player being rewarded in season. And uh, to me, it just said a lot about his character and his leadership on that team. You know what, Eddie, too, when you talk about, you know, all the the trade rumors that he was a part of so much, the other thing was, too, you go back a couple of summers ago and the Pacers signed DeAndre Ayton to an offer sheet, which yeah. I joke about all the time with Chad Buchanan, the general manager, because I, I like one a copy of that. I mean, you've got to be glad considering what he has gone through, certainly in his time so far in Portland, that it didn't work out the way that evidently at that moment maybe the Pacers thought it was going to work out. Right, exactly. You know, sometimes be careful what you wish for, right, in a lot of ways. But I understand, the, you know, the, obviously the love affair with DeAndre at that time. Uh, he was part of that Sun team that went to the final, and he was one of the major reasons uh, in the earlier rounds how the Suns got to the final. So I, I can understand that. Uh, the league is very talented, and, you know, no one is bigger than the other. There's only a few players in this game that separates themselves from everybody, and you can say, well, we'll never trade him, right? But it's not that many. And, and so you, I, I tell people all the time, I mean, you're hired to be fired, and you're signed to be traded. And you just never know. Uh, there's always somebody that's going to look better than you and going to get the attention of someone else. And it could be right or it could be wrong. Uh, but that's just the case. So what you have to do as a professional, go out there and do your job every damn night, man. That's it. You know, it's a short career anyway. You're going to play. If you're lucky, you'll get 12 years in. If you're blessed, you'll get 17 in like I did. Okay, you get, what, 18 in like Reggie Miller did. I mean, it's like everybody doesn't get that opportunity to play that long. And so what you do is don't worry about the stuff around it. Just go enjoy the game that you love. So Eddie Johnson from Sirius XM NBA Radio, the 17-year NBA vet, is on the Andy Moore Automotive Crew Hotline, part of those 17 years that we're talking about, spent in Seattle with the Supersonics. Do you think that Seattle will ever get a franchise back again? Without a doubt. It's inevitable. Without a doubt. Because I believe when the league does go to expansion, they're going to have to put two teams in uh, because it'll be an uneven conference. So I just truly believe they'll put two teams in, and both of them will be on the West Coast. It'll be uh, Seattle and Vegas, and then they got to decide which team they're going to move from the West to the East. And it's going to be probably between uh, New Orleans, uh, Minnesota, and probably Memphis. And so I, think, I believe that's what's going to happen. Uh, and I think it's going to happen sooner than later. Tell you what, iconic, iconic logos, colors, and it, it's still to me, it, it is still shocking to me that they don't have that. One of the, the most noted franchises in the NBA for so many years. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll be a little bit more straightforward. It was a joke. Yeah. Like, yeah. That team should have okay. never moved. Like I, I was on, I was on a, a team in Kansas City. Okay, I understand why they moved. Like I was on the team that moved from Kansas City to Sacramento. I understand why we moved. Like we were only having maybe twenty five hundred to three thousand fans. We are the Arena Kemper Arena, which was a nice arena, but it was by the stockyards. I'm driving the games and I'm hearing animals being slaughtered. Like you know, it just wasn't in a good place. It just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't right. And I understand that move. I have no idea why the Seattle Sonics moved out of Seattle. Now, I knew they needed a new arena and all of that, and it was an issue. But that's one of the best fan bases I've ever played in front of. And it's just a travesty that they don't have a team. And they're going to get one, tell you that. And when they get one, it'll be probably one of the most difficult places to go play a game because there was nothing like that fan base when I played there. Here's Eddie Johnson with us. One final thing before I let you go. I know when you came out of Illinois, um, you were drafted by, as you mentioned, Kansas City and the Kings. Uh, I'm assuming you go far back. I don't know this for certain. You go far back with Mike Woodson? Uh, it's kind of funny, right? I'm actually sitting here at lunch with him right now. 
You're and not. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at him holding his grand his grandkid. Yeah. Oh yeah. He looks like a little kid right now. I mean, I didn't even know he can hold a baby anymore. <laughs> he hear he hears me talking, but uh, no, it's one of my best friends in the world, man. And uh, we've been close forever. And uh, he competing obviously with Indiana, even though we didn't like each other. Uh, but yeah, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, he and I go way back. Yeah, and uh, obviously in in Kansas City, when you were at Illinois and you played at Assembly Hall in Bloomington, obviously at Mackey Arena in West Lafayette, how does that compare? You talked about Seattle being, you know, a raucous environment and will be again soon. But how about both in Bloomington and West Lafayette for you? Say it again. I'm sorry. I didn't hear the last part. Um, the the environments at Assembly Hall in Bloomington in the early 80s for you and Mac Arena in West Lafayette for the early 80s Unreal. for you Unreal, compared man. to, Come you know, on. the most fired up audiences, uh, I, I guess, arenas you've ever played at. No, Big Ten was first and foremost. Like, playing in the Big Ten, man, I tell young kids, if, if they're interested in going to Big Ten, you're not going to find a better uh, conference. You're not going to find a better environment to go compete and prove yourself. Uh, it's, it's, and the Big Ten historically has always been a good bridge to the NBA because of the physicality, because of the way the officials allow you to play. And for me, there's no way that I play in the league as long as I did or been mature enough to, to make it if it wasn't for the Big Ten. If it wasn't for me having to go into Mackey Arena, if it wasn't for me to have to come to Bloomington and have to deal with that crowd and Bobby Knight over there looking at you, and then obviously going to Iowa uh, and hearing them stomp uh, where our lockers were below the floor and hearing them stomp. And we couldn't even do our team meeting. I mean, please. I mean, it's just, I tell kids, it's the best conference in the country. And uh, now it's not 10 anymore. What was it, about 15? I don't even remember. I don't even know now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. But just a great environment. Yeah. It's uh, Eddie Johnson. Well, I'm going to let you get back to lunch with Mike Woodson. You guys talking basketball or are you staying far away from it? No, no, he, no, he and I don't really talk too much basketball. I'm, obviously, I'll be you – know, I'm, I'm going to my first game uh, when they play Northwestern on Sunday. Cause I'm, obviously, I'm here for all the all-star festivities. But, you know, we don't really talk basketball when we're around each other. You know, we just talk about everything else. And uh, that gives him his opportunity to relax because I know he's got a pressure cooker job, uh, obviously, at his alma mater and uh, – just want his players to get healthy uh, so he can put that product on the floor that he knows that can get them wins. So Eddie Johnson, 17-year NBA veteran, NBA today on uh, Sirius XM NBA radio. Uh, in town and heading to Bloomington to watch Northwestern and IU coming up on Sunday down in Bloomington. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. Hey, it's a pleasure. I, I could talk ball with you forever. Um, and thank you for handing out the time and allowing us to speak with you today. And, hell, we'll do it again soon if you have a couple of minutes, again. too, and go even further. I appreciate you. Well, hey, look, anytime I can talk Big Ten stuff, man, you can always call me. All right? Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. Okay. All righty. Okay. Take care. It is uh, Eddie Johnson on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, back from Toronto, checking out the LED floor earlier today at Lucas Oil Stadium, ready to soak up the exploits of NBA All-Star Weekend. Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports Indiana is with us. How you doing, JJ? I'm doing good, John. How are you? I'm outstanding. So I'm just having a conversation with Eddie Johnson, you know, talking about all those years, the uh, couple, three years he spent here in the 90s, and then obviously Seattle, you know, when they're going to get another franchise one of these days, all that. And then at the end of the conversation, he brings up that he's sitting right across from Mike Woodson having lunch right now. So where do I take that? I go, okay, kind of buried the lead on this a little bit right here, Eddie, didn't we? That was a classic name drop, but it was an effective one. And I guess, yeah, probably better for, for all parties. It was at the end of the conversation than the beginning, right? 
I would imagine it probably was better for all all parties right there. I said, are you guys talking any ball? And he said, no, when we get together, we don't talk any basketball. And that's also probably a good thing right now, too. So, hey, by the way, IU Northwestern coming up on Sunday down in Bloomington. Jeremiah Johnson is with us. Before we get to the rest of the NBA All-Star weekend that is around here, I had mentioned the game last night. I put it in the same category as I did in that really embarrassing loss in Charlotte on Monday night is one where, by all means necessary, it doesn't matter. We're not going to hang this thing on the wall, right, and check it out. You just want to get a win and get the hell out of Dodge. And unlike Monday night in Charlotte where they didn't, they did that last night in Toronto. How are you doing? Good, good. Yeah, I just said hi to Fred Jones. You were named dropping uh, uh Fred so Jones. Cool. I just saw Freddie Jones. Have you ever taken your kids up to Mojo up there and, and shot on the – because I think Fred's a part of that, right? At the yeah, Mojo Fieldhouse up there? New location. It was on uh, Crawfordsville Road. We went there quite a few times. But you never know who you're going to run into this weekend. Nah, Fred's, um, Fred's a judge for the slam dunk competition as a former champion. Something he knows about. Yeah, you know, I'm glad that what Rick Carlisle said after the game matched what I said to start the postgame show matched – what you just said you just want to get a win and it's one of those situations where you know you had to overcome the loss of charlotte you needed to bounce back and you did yeah and that's that's kind of how i looked at it as well and and really i mentioned all hands on deck i mean it took everybody it took everybody to get that win even against a bad toronto team it took everybody to get it done and you got especially on both ends of the four some stellar moments with ben shepherd in mind in closing yeah, I mean, it's not a game, as you mentioned, that you're going to look back on that much at the end of the season, but you had your Oscar Sheepway minutes, and then you had the game-clinching defensive stop from Ben Shepard. I mean, who would have thought that had been the rotation on the court at the very end? So that was, that was something that got a lot of excitement inside the locker room and on the court right after the game. So Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports Indiana. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Tell me this. What's your expectation for Aaron Neesmith, that didn't look great. Um, I know that Rick mentioned after the game that he, he walked off the floor with a little helper from others. We got any expectation on this? Would we fare a guess, dare to guess? <laughs> I, I, it would be tough for me to guess. I know the injury report when it first came out and it said shin soreness. I was happy to see that. And then Rick Carlisle mentioned that it could have been an ankle. So, uh, you know, you're a little concerned, and they were going to have some x-rays or some imaging done today. So, again, I'm, I'm probably in the middle on it. Um, I don't know that it was as bad as it looked, but it may not have been as good as the initial injury report came out. And he's such an important player on the team. I mean, you could argue outside of you know, Halliburton, Siakam, Turner, he's your most important player, and even some nights above those three guys, or at least somewhere in the mix because of what he does on both ends of the floor, how hard he plays. Um, it's just been a fantastic season. You really can't afford to lose him for any period of time. At least it is the all-star break right now, so you have a little bit of a chance, if he is injured, uh, to heal without missing games. No, it's uh, Jeremiah Johnson of Bally Sports Indiana. The thing of it is, he has such a high level of importance to this team. I mean, so many different areas that – I mean, he's one of those guys that you just can't make up for right there because of what he brings to the table, really everywhere. Yeah, I mean, Rick Carlisle wants to have a guy that can spread the floor. He does that, his catch-and-shoot three-pointers. I almost mark down three on my scorebook every time he shoots the ball. He is willing to accept the challenge defensively, some of the toughest matchups. It's not always going to be um, successful, but he's going to give you absolutely every ounce of effort that he has every single night. You can never um, have any doubt about that. And so he's, he's a little bit irreplaceable on this team when you consider – They've got some backcourt depth. They have some, some center depth. Now you add Pascal Siakam. The four position looks pretty good. You know, Aaron Neesmith can play the three, can play the four, but, you know, you really need him at that three position in your lineup. What is it that we have seen, for example, from this team? I remarked about this yesterday, and, you know, maybe it's the, uh, the newness of getting together with new teammates on the fly is what they have done. But it does not seem like the ball is moving as crisply as it once did this year. And, you know, obviously, this is not a blame on Siakam, but it just kind of seems like at that moment, all of a sudden, the ball kind of sticks 
a little bit more. So I think among the things I would love to see them be able to work on and do better is to get back to that ball movement that they had going so well. I'm not blaming this on Siakam, but I just think that the, the ball movement aspect of it has kind of been lost a little bit in some of these games that have been disappointing. Yeah, I think it's a good point. You have to take Siakam and his advantages and his strength with maybe the ball stops just a little bit, although I would argue that he probably doesn't get the ball as frequently as maybe I would even say sometimes he should. Now, in Toronto, they were going to try to get him the ball. They were going to try to get him off to a good start. Didn't get off to a good start, but then had a really good finish to the game. And they're still averaging right around 30 assists almost every single night. So if you're not seeing that ball whip around the perimeter quite as much, maybe he's uh, more on the on the post and you're going inside a little bit and then he's trying to create – I think it's okay. I think it's understandable because when he's not on the court, you are just trying to have four guys outside the arc, sometimes even five. And so if he's inside, it's another dimension. He can still kick it out. He's still – he's not the kind of guy you throw the ball and you expect to never see it again with his playmaking. So he'll get it inside. He will score. He'll take advantage of mismatches. Um, but, but I think he'll find guys outside as well. So I guess I'm not as concerned. The other thing that I would say is you're still – maybe until the last couple of games, dealing with Tyrese Halliburton coming back to full strength. And so after the All-Star break, you'll have no issues, hopefully, about the hamstring, no issues in terms of minutes restriction, and that can help your ball movement if he's at 100% as well. JJ's with us, Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports Indiana on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So with Matherin, is it more illness? Is it more injury? And, you know, might that unfortunately hijack – his weekend where he's got a lot going on for himself here in Indy for the all-star weekend. Where where do we stand right now with Matherin and his situations? Well, actually I was with Pat Boylan uh, near the convention center today and and I saw his sister and she said he's doing all right. So I would, I would take it that he had a bad illness. He had a a little bit of of a knee situation, banged knees, I think a few games ago. And then, didn't feel 100% illness-wise again yesterday, but, I mean, who knows? We'll see what happens this weekend. I have no indications that would lead me to think that he would not be able to participate on Friday and Saturday. And, again, then the good news is after Saturday, rest and relax and hope that next Thursday you're at 100%. But you know he had to not be feeling well to not be able to play in that game in Toronto. He never misses games for any reason. And I even think Rick Carlisle had mentioned it that, you know, sometimes they have to – almost pull him off the court, and maybe that's what happened uh, that night. But uh, I will say he wasn't 100% really over the last week and a half, and when fans were upset about individual game performances, sometimes you have to take that in mind. Not just is it the middle of his second season where he's barely had any breaks, but um, you know if you're physically not the best and then you're dealing with an illness as well, it's hard to perform at, at peak level. Do they need to sanitize the locker room areas or such? It seems like a little bit – and right – I'll be honest, like right now, I've got, I'm fighting mine off right now, too. But um, I, I guess everybody's kind of coming down with something, it seems. But it seems like a lot of guys in that locker room are going through it. It's almost going one at a time now. You know, Miles Turner came down with something uh, yesterday. And a lot of the illness that had been going around, it, it was pretty serious. It's like T.J. McConnell, he was knocked out for – uh, you know, two or three days, and I think the same for Benedict Mather when he was first ill. And so it's – I don't know. I'm sure they're doing everything they can to make sure there's no spreading of germs. And when someone is sick, you don't see them. They're not at practice. They're not around. Um, so I think they're doing everything they can to limit the damage. But as, as we've learned, um, you know, sometimes if a virus is going around, it's hard to stop. They have um, an opportunity, don't they? When you look at the schedule – here down the stretch after the All-Star break, they have an opportunity because it has eased up. I think part of the issue is, though, Jeremiah, is the simple fact they have oftentimes played down to the competition with this. But looking at the schedule and what they have coming, where they are right now in the East with that win last night, what are your thoughts on the uh, remaining games here down the stretch where, again, it looks at least with the eyeball test that their schedule has eased up a bit? What we've learned from this team is you cannot say a game is too challenging, too difficult, and that they should lose. They can win those games. And you also, at the other end, can't say, well, that's an easy win. That's, that's a team that's going to be in the lottery. That, that's an automatic victory. Um, it hasn't been the case this season. I will say it seemed like there was enough anger and disappointment with what happened in Charlotte 
Um, they came out and played hard against Toronto. They were just really shorthanded. So it was, again, again, they had to do whatever they could to just get a win. But they've had enough eye-opening experiences and disappointing losses that you would think after the All-Star break they can take care of business more often than not. But I hate to use it as an excuse or say I can't answer the question. Health will be a big factor if they're able to have that success after the break because their strength in the early part of the season was the depth and how they could play 10 guys, their bench would every single game outscore the opposition. If all of a sudden three of your top eight or nine are not there – that affects your second unit. It affects your starting rotations. Maybe guys have to play heavier minutes. And then when they come back, maybe they're not 100%. So they were one of the healthiest teams in the league in the first half. And now they're going through a little bit of a stretch, like many teams do at the All-Star break, where they've got some bumps and bruises and some illness. And, again, you know, with the Aaron Neesmith situation, you really hope it's not something worse. But if they have three or four guys that are out after the break, that's going to be really hard to go on a run. You're almost going to have to just try to – um, stay about even until you get your guys back. So that, that'll be the thing I'll be watching. I do think the All-Star breaks at a good time. And, again, it's a sprint to the finish. It's not the midway point of the season. You're over two-thirds of the way through this season, and you can look at the standings every single night. You can lose a game and go from sixth to eighth in the Eastern Conference. So uh, I'm expecting a sense of urgency, and I expect this team to really handle business when, when they face a lesser opponent more often in March and April. Uh, no doubt about that. It's uh, Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports Indiana on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. You did reference after the Charlotte game. Was that a full-blown players-only locker room meeting held by Miles Turner on Monday? Is that what you got? Well, you know, it was weird. It's, I didn't. Sometimes I'll go in there a lot after the game. Sometimes the post-game show ends, and I'm just trying to get my bags and, and kind of get to the bus. And it was one of those nights I didn't actually go in there for a long period of time, so. Um, you know, obviously I read Dustin's coverage and he was in there and I know it was very quiet in there. And that was, so I was in there at some point when the, when the locker room was open, it wasn't one of those long meetings um, that, that you have. And again, I didn't hear a lot about it until the next day. So I wouldn't say it was one of your classic closed door, you know, players only meetings, but Quinn was accurate in describing the players talked, the coaches weren't in there. That means it was players only. And as Isaiah Jackson told me, he wasn't going to reveal everything that was said, but he said some things were said that needed to be said. And so um, take that from a young player in the league, a a player that is in and out of the rotation. He at least knew that it was serious enough that some things were said and maybe some guys took it to heart. So I don't know that any season happens that you don't have that happen a time or two. Sometimes it's more publicized than others. But uh, this just happened to be that night on, on Monday in Charlotte. It did look like, at least for a while, it seems like that they've slowed down the pace a little bit. I don't know if that's just because they need a weekend off and need a little bit of rest right now. That's probably the case for about everybody, especially if you're in the thick of things in either conference. But it just doesn't seem like that they were playing at the breakneck speed or that level here recently as, as they had. And, you know, that's one of the things I brought this up to Chris Denary yesterday you know, before those five wins against Milwaukee, two of those, Giannis said, hey, and I just ran out of gas at the end. These guys are up and down the floor with their young legs, and that was a big deal, and it continued to be a big deal, but it kind of seemed like that maybe those young legs were getting a little bit heavy, a little bit tired here recently. Did you see that? I did see that, and it was uh, one of those rare situations against Toronto where the other team was faster and, and better mm-hmm. at fast break points than the Pacers, and they were getting out and going, and and the Pacers weren't really even turning the ball over. It was Toronto grabbing a missed shot, and they were going. And I think at halftime, they had something like 22 fast break points. And so it, I don't know whether the Pacers were trying to slow the game down a little bit just to make sure that it wasn't too fast for Toronto. But I do know uh, there were some a couple different times I heard Tyrese Halliburton say, let's run, let's go. So teams are trying to take away what the Pacers did well in that first portion of the season. If you're getting ready to game plan against Indiana, you know you've got to get back, so it's near the top of the scouting report. And again, the game will naturally slow down a little bit as you get towards the postseason and in the playoffs. So you have to be able to play that well. You can't just rely on running up and down and outscoring people that way. So it's not necessarily, to me, bad practice. But I do think they probably need to push the pace just a little bit more. And the key to doing that, though, is getting a stop and getting a rebound. And both of those things have also been a little problematic. When, when teams shoot 55 60% from the field, there aren't as many stops. And then we're seeing 
opposition get offensive rebounds, well, then you're not able to get You can't run. You can't get out and go until you either get a stop or a rebound, and that's where it all starts. Yeah, that was an issue again last night. So no doubt about that. Jeremiah Johnson with us. Before I let you go, NBA All-Star Weekend, what are you taking in? And what did you think about the LED floor at Lucas Oil Stadium you were shown later? Or I should say earlier today. Yeah, I just took advantage of the opportunity, the little open house, to show some of the media what they were doing. And it, it'll be awesome on TV. And I think even in the, in the Lucas Oil Stadium, it'll be a great experience because there are so many monitor walls. The court will constantly change. It, it won't be what you're used to, but I think as All-Star Saturday night, it's the perfect game and event, or I should say event, for something like that. Someone asked uh, one of the uh, folks at the NBA if this is the future, if you're going to have LED lights on, on all the courts. He said maybe, but that's a long way down the road. Uh, you, you remember some fans didn't exactly appreciate the, the in-season tournament courts, but after a while it grew on them and you didn't, you didn't hear as many complaints. And so um, it, it's really, really cool. I mean, I, I thought the initial pictures that I saw were impressive and to see them go from one design to the other and to see the ability on that um, celebrity game where they can track a player and have like trailing stars as they're running up and down the court like you do see sometimes on some of these alt cats that they have for some of the big games it'll be really cool and i think people will not be disappointed by that part that'll be that'll be one of the highlights and one of the things you remember about all-star saturday night all right so what are you going to be up to are you and pat boylan doing something for bally as i hear yeah we're just kind of running around trying to get a little bit of the flavor for uh, some of the regions trying to document some of what happens, whether it's in a media session. Uh, I just happened to stop by what the Foot Locker experience, um, and, and Victor Wembanyama was in there doing a little uh, doing a little demonstration for some kids. So honestly, I, I was there, walked in, and, and some of those are private, and some of those are not. But you still can walk around downtown Indianapolis, and you never really know what you're going to see. Just like I saw Fred Jones, and just like you're talking with Eddie Johnson, and he's sitting there having lunch with Mike Woodson. Have your eyes open, look around, take it all in, and I think the weather's going to be great as well. Sun's shining right now, so it should be a great weekend. So what was uh, Wimbanyama doing? What was he demonstrating? Well, it was, it was more a little Q&A with some youngsters in the area and, and talking about you know, his path to, to get to where he was and, and you know, talking shoes as well. And they had just started doing a little bit of a ball handling drill, and, and he was out on the court, but – uh, it wasn't like he was showing them how to block shots or dunk because they were a long way from uh, from where he's at. But he he seems he does seem like uh, from from the little bit of the Q and A that I heard before I had to leave and, and join your call, he um, seems like a really good good kid and the NBA is in a good place if he's part of the future. All right, so you taking a break at all over these uh, next couple of days outside of this weekend here? You will see. I mean, no, um, Monday and Tuesday will be a break, but no plans to go anywhere, but just we'll relax a little bit after, again, just trying to experience what I can and also hope, hope to share some with, with some of the viewers. So it'll be a fun weekend. Again, uh, just looking forward to it. And, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's enough of a day of a break for me. And I am looking forward to the four-game homestand. So it won't be back on the road again for almost two weeks now. So that'll be nice before things really pick up as we get into March. No, that'd be really good for you guys, too. Now, you go going to the All-Star game? Yeah, I have a credential, so I believe I will be there. Again, it's, it's, some things have been a little bit last minute uh, for, for me, but um, as of now, planning to be there, yep. All right, well, you got to stop. I'm doing, um, I'm doing a show 3 until 5 Sunday at the Winter Circle. So I know Denary's going to stop by, so you need to stop by as well. How about yeah, well, that? well, we'll see if we can work that out. I think you probably should. I think you probably can. You know, I am a little bit disappointed. I'm not going to whine about it. But I know you went over and saw the LED floor. I really wanted to put a couple of shots up on that. Well, and never I got over there to do it. Going down, you were going to the right person when you brought it up to Chad Buchanan, did you? You needed to follow up with him. Because even, I was there today, and I didn't see a basketball on the court. So even if you were at that session, I don't know if anybody was able to get any shots up. So uh, I apologize yeah. that I am not of a position to pull that string. But... Um, you know, Chad was probably your best bet there. Yeah, no, I know. I think that a lot of this, though, was completely out of the hands of the Pacers, right? This is all like an NBA run thing for the most part. Uh, that is a very, a very uh, 
accurate observation that you've made, John. <laughs> <laughs> Running everything. All right, that's Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports, Indiana, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Hey, have some fun this weekend. Get a little bit of rest. I'll look for you at the Winter Circle coming up on Sunday if you have some time as well. JJ, appreciate you. All right. Apologize at the very beginning. I was a little short. I had just walked up the steps, and I was a little out of breath. So I caught my breath and hopefully was able to finish the call strong. No, that's okay. So you get out of breath when you walk and talk at the same time? Yeah. It reminded me one yeah. time that I ran into the studio at Fox 59 after editing some high school football highlights, and my heart was pounding, and I was out of breath, and I got to the spot about a second before I had to start talking, and I had to probably do about four minutes worth of highlights without having a break, and it's yeah. probably one of the worst feelings that I've ever had. I wasn't at that point uh, in this situation, but I could tell I was getting a little bit short of breath, and I just needed you to talk a little bit. Let me catch my breath before I could get my second win. Yeah, you know, that's how I, when I hyperventilated one time on Channel 13 on a Saturday morning. That's what happened to me. I was on a dead sprint, got out there. And they just, you know, on the weekends, Kelly Greasy, who was the executive producer, just said, hey, you've got eight minutes because she didn't want to jack with putting anything in there at the end. A little buffer time-wise. I did like eight minutes. And I was out there for eight minutes hyperventilating and going crazy because I had to sprint back. And I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know how to, you know, edit anything. or You know, I just was kind of on a wing and a prayer the way that it was. But, yeah, that's true, man. You get out of breath in situations like that. Four minutes seems like 40. Oh, yeah. It's happened to me twice. I said one time on a Friday night at Fox 59, and then one time on a weekend at WTWO, I had like a stack of tapes back when you actually had to edit tapes. And I just dropped them off at the tape room. I'm running out during weather, and all of a sudden the same thing happened. And I just had to stop and say, just hold on a sec. And I took like three deep breaths, and I was glad I was was not on uh, Valley Sports Indiana for that blooper. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports, Indiana. Pacers now with the All-Star break. Back at it next week on a homestand. And uh, J.J., I'm sure, and Pat Boylan will have a lot of stuff for you. As the sideline guys coming up this weekend, J.J. will look for you coming up on Sunday at Winter Circle, okay? All right, John. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. NFL season ended this past Sunday, and we're a month away from the start of free agency. I think a week away from finding out a little bit more, I'm assuming about Michael Pittman Jr. and his status moving forward. Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59, he does join us. Hello, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? Were you on the beat back in 85 covering the All-Star weekend here? Boy, I can't remember that. I, I the, the only thing I can remember Pacer-wise is, is I held, I was on the group when they, were, when they were playing the Pistons all the time in the playoffs, and the one year they went NBA Finals with, with the Lakers. I remember that. Okay. See, with, the, with, with, with the Pistons, I remember the 78-75 games where they were brass knuckles and all that stuff, which is kind of funny when you watch the Pacers play now, how <laughs> back in the day yeah. it was with the Pistons. But uh, I, I was limited. One thing I did learn when I was covering the Pacers in the playoffs with, with Reggie Miller is when when you're not one of the guys, you don't know what the what the, the – ground rules are and I was supposed to go and do something on ready I don't know what the heck it was and I thought okay I'm, I'm not one of the guys so I'll wait till this is over you know about over now then I'll ask my question and I found out that like Reggie answered eight questions and when Reggie was done Reggie yeah. was done it's not like yeah he just said thank you very much it was over yeah <laughs> so I, I think I might have got what I needed but I found out real quick if you're gonna go outside your lane you better know what the grand rules are. No. And, you know, I just – I didn't know how prominent that was back then. And certainly NBA All-Star Weekend in 85 was much different, as was downtown Indianapolis in 1985, right. than what we see today. Yeah, it, it's funny. I can – I being in Beach Grove, I will not – the closest I might get to downtown is to wife and I are in the 
daughter and granddaughter may go to Red Lobster over there on um, by Thompson and eat. That might be the closest I get because I bet it's just a hornet's nest. Mike Wells mentioned that he, in our, our Colts group, that he said, yeah, I went downtown uh, yesterday to get his credential. He said it was a madhouse. And what I've always thought is I think it's cool. It's really great when the city has these things, the Super Bowl, Final Fours. And it's really great for the media, outside media, because you come in and you, you take a shuttle from the airport and you're downtown. You don't look for parking. And if you're if you're a local media or just fans, I'll bet it's a pain in the ass to try to find parking <laughs> or easy access. I bet it's terrible. Hey, we don't want to tell everybody that. Get them all down here. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. It's great. They've got all the streets open. Parking yes. free. Yes. Yeah, and you, yes. get, and you get a beer if you park in the right lot. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> hey, by the way, I did error here. Thanks to Eddie Garrison, who through James tells me that the tip-off is at Bicentennial Plaza, not Gamebridge. So it's at Bicentennial Plaza, and it is not T-Pain and Zed. They play tomorrow. Tonight, it's a surprise. So the surprise at the crossover coming up later on this evening. So there you go. Bicentennial Plaza for the official tip-off and then the NBA crossover where they have a surprise um, artist. It's uh, T-Pain and Zed coming up tomorrow. It's uh, Mike Chappell, CBS 4, Fox 59 is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right. We're going to get into this Michael Pittman Jr. stuff a little bit. You have any feel sooner rather than later? We're going to find out. I know we're going to find out, I guess, something coming up next week, right? Or here relatively I, I, soon. I, I, they haven't I used guess, the, you, you the don't franchise since the McAfee. But go yeah, ahead. Two, two, and, and the last one I can and, – and, and, and I know they had the Edron played under the franchise tag one year. Right. Uh, I thought there was a couple other guys, uh, Marcus Pollard or Dilger. Now, whether they got a contract, I, I don't remember. I'm gonna, I'll start researching that. But, yeah, it, it, I think it's Tuesday. Is it the 20th? Tuesday is the day yeah. that you can start that. Wh- whether they do it right away, I don't know. I don't know why you would or why you wouldn't. Uh, and, and with the idea that, that you're going to keep working on a long-term deal, I assume. I don't think they're just saying, yeah, we're going we're gonna to tag him. I don't think they would take that approach. Because that does come with some consequences. It just will. Uh, you know, at, at some level, Pitt won't be here for, for some of the offseason work, which is counterproductive to, to getting a quarterback back. And then all of a sudden, his leading receiver is going to, you know, he'll say, I'll show up whenever I show up. So, but they, they deal with that. So, whether they do it right away, I, would, I don't know why you wouldn't again, because you might as well. A lot of times they, they do these tags and then you're still working on it long term and then you get a long term done or you don't. So, yeah, it, it, I, I, I would be. It's funny, I've seen some of these mock drafts and a couple of them had the, the Colts taking a receiver at 15, which is fine. But their rationale is well, you know, Pittman may get a big contract out there, so the, the Colts are going to lose him. I just, I just don't see the scenario where he's not here next year. Uh, I, I just think he's one, he's two, he, 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 he's almost indispensable to the team because of, because of the receiver room. It, it makes zero sense to, to, to go into really the, 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 the second year of your quarterback, of your young quarterback who's still developing and add a further, a number one pick who's young. You've already got Alec Pierce who's young and Josh Downs who's young. So I, I, I just it doesn't make a lot of sense. And if you don't bring him back, we've talked about this. If you don't bring him back, it's going to cost you every bit of that to get a guy on the open market. If there's anybody out there that's any good, because like with the Colts, a lot of these pending free agents will get re-signed or tagged because you know it, it, it sucks for the players to some level. Twenty-one million or twenty millions, nothing to sneeze at, but it's still less than what he would get on the market and these guys. So that's why I say it, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to not re-sign him or bring him back because it's going to cost that much to bring him back, to bring to, to replace him. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I would guess everybody completely would agree with you regarding that. Here's, I think, one question I would have, and 
maybe it's a little bit. Maybe it's more than a little bit. Maybe it's absolutely nothing at all. But we go into year number two with Shane Steichen. Now, we know, obviously, offensively how he wants to play. We know how he wants to look. Do you think that's changed the attitude on putting together a team of Ballard at all? Since we knew what, exactly what he wanted, and he's really stuck to that program, and there's been a lot of disappointment over that time, too, without question. But you think that's changed that attitude that he has had and how to build a successful team at all? I think maybe they, they'll be a little, a little more aggressive, maybe, uh, with Steichen in the quarterback. Because you can start now building – you know, around a guy who in that needs to be the quarterback for the next four, six, eight, ten years. That makes it a lot different on how you 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 work in the in free agency, especially on offense. Now you can tailor guys around your quarterback. And, and I always thought, like after the first year, going into the first year, what did he? What were what were his evaluations? Of players. You know, the, 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 it didn't matter what Frank Reich and he, even to some degree Chris Ballard. I mean, Chris has still got his evaluations and likes and dislikes of, of the personnel, but all of a sudden you've got a new set of eyes, you know, and maybe he's got a, a, a different slant on a guy. You know, there's no question that Chris Ballard really likes Michael Pittman. I mean, he, every, every time we talk to him, and as we've talked, that that's the kind of guy, the, the kind of the traits he brings that you want in, in, a, in a core player. Now, you, you'd want maybe something more, as a receiver, the deep threat and all that stuff. But we, that, that's not the point. But but what does Shane Steichen, how, how does he feel about Pittman? How does he feel about now Mo Ali Cox? How does he feel about, you know, Alec Pierce? Because those those aren't his guys. Uh, so so that that would be interesting. But, but I, I do think with, with the new coach and the fact that you saw What's possible last year with, with a limit with a limited offensive roster? I, it still blows my mind that these guys were tight for tenth in scoring. It just really does. With all their the limitations, now the offensive line played lights out, but as far as not getting consistency from the tight ends and not getting the big bops from Alec Pierce, and the running game was hit and miss, and you know Jonathan Taylor was in and out and back in and. So yeah. I think the fact that he, he did what he did with that group was pretty impressive. That's why I think may, maybe they're a little more aggressive, maybe uh, in free agency with whether from receiver. They need to come out of the receipt out of free agency in the draft with, in my mind, another another top line receiver and a, a, a top line, I guess, tight end. That that that's where they're talking explosive, and you can really do that. You know, I, I wouldn't waste a third-round pick on a tight end because that's what you, you've invested the last few years with Granson and Jelani Woods and, you know, even Drew Ogletree, who's another story. But I, I just I just think you need to come out of the personnel shaping time with those positions. And then, you know, yes, on defense, cornerback safety and, you know, all that stuff. That's why I say it, 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 would, be, it would just complicate things so much. If if you just if they decided well we, we can we can we can replace Pittman with two players at even less money than what it would cost to keep him I, I just think that would be a wrong evaluation and the again I, I I would like to get more out of Pittman and I think one of the biggest things that they need to determine and that's what they have these meetings for with Reggie and all these guys is. Is Michael Pittman the limitations in his game? The, the what is he? Ten point five or ten point nine, whatever career. Yeah. Uh, is that because that's who he is, or is that because what the offense, the quarterbacks have, have limited him to? That, that's what they got to decide. Same with Alec Pierce. You know, is his lack of of, of bigger bigger games a, a product of the quarterback? And I'm yeah, I think so in both of them. So, yeah, it, it, it'll be really interesting. And, uh, again, the, the mock grass, they've had the, the Bowers kid from Georgia there. They've had a couple of receivers, a corner, which I, I wouldn't turn down a corner at 15 as long as you can tell me who who, who your other receiver and your tight ends are going to be. So it, it, it'll be really, really interesting. And they've got, again, with the flexibility of being at 15 and 
and and having having some good cap space and again ownership that'll pay to, to to improve the roster. It's just a good situation. And then you got the new head coach who gives you every reason to believe that with better skill personnel, you can do even better than tied for tenth uh, in scoring. <clears throat> No, it's Mike Chappell is with us. I I completely agree with that. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. What do you think ultimately happens with Minshew? Do you think that market-wise he just finds a better deal with more opportunity to play? And then I would argue, I mean, where would you have more opportunity to play than what you've seen opportunity-wise here? So that would be my suggestion. But if you're a betting guy, would he be around this roster as a backup role coming up this year? Boy, if I'm betting on it, I'd say no. I'd think they want. I think he's going to want more, and maybe he gets more. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I thought we saw who Gardner Minshew was this year, this past year, which is you know, which which is good and bad. It's it's. He yeah. was the reason. He was the reason they were within fourth and two of maybe beating Houston. And, and maybe the reason that they didn't beat Houston, probably the reason they didn't beat Houston. So, you know, you, you, you can have both things. Both things can be true. I, I, w- whether there's going to be a 8 or $10 million a year contract for him, I don't know. I, I don't think they would pay that. Maybe they want to get a quarterback. I saw Nate Atkins with the star hat, him, you know, maybe pushing for a Tyrod Taylor. Okay, I, okay. I, I could see that who's more in line with the quarterback you've got as far as skill set. So I, I, I'm guessing he won't be back. Uh, if he comes back, it's going to be, you know, for more money, but with the idea that, you know, Richardson again is the guy and, you know, you know, he, barring injury, he's a guy. Now I realize barring injury, it's, that's why Minshew played so much this year, but I think he'll have, I think he'll have better opportunities then coming back here, it just that's just a gut feeling. Well, and for the Colts, do they have better opportunities as a backup? Because don't, don't you still have to take the thought in mind that there was so much unavailability and you're number one? I mean, you, you, you got to see it to believe it, right? So wouldn't you have to lean on the side of safety and support right here? And what would they be looking for at that backup role if not Minshew, if he's outpriced? Well, again, somebody that could step in and, and play for ideally two or three games. You know, if Richardson bangs his head on the the floor again and he's out a game or two, that's what you want out. But if he's going to be if he's going to be out for you know eleven, twelve games, then you're you're sort of rolling the dice that the back if you bring in is that type of a guy. Really, that's why I say they really they really came out well with, with what, what Minshew was able to do with his limitations and all. And, and we know what they were, but, but he was the reason they won a lot of games as well. So I, I they, in my mind, whether it's Minshew or whoever, it's got to be a guy that you're convinced can be that short term that yes, there's going to be a drop off because there's almost, well, there's always a drop off between the quarterback and the backup. There's this. That's why the guy's the backup, but you need to have a guy unlike, too many years during the Manning years to where it's it's like they just had a backup quarterback because everybody has a backup quarterback. They didn't they didn't invest much. Now part of that was they couldn't they couldn't get veteran guys to come here just because they knew, first he's not going to play because Peyton played what was it the first two hundred and some games of his career, but then you're not even going to take snaps during practice with the first group because Peyton did all that. It's different now, but I but I think their approach is different too. To where they 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 found out last year that that boy, you need that guy. You need that guy just to. It's it's like the insurance. I just took out an insurance policy for my cat because you know, and you hope you never have to use it. But if you've got it, if you need it, you got it. So I think they understand that. And Chris Ballard pretty much told us that. But is it Minshew if he wants you know? X million and you're willing to pay, you know, not quite X million. I don't know. I, I just think he'll have a better, I think this is one to where he will, they'll say, Hey, go out there and see what you can get. And if you can get what you want, God love you. But if you can't come back here, I guess, but keep in mind that we might find somebody else before you come back here. 
I think they might look elsewhere in, in part because maybe Minshew finds something else somewhere else that's willing to pay more. Did you just say that you took out an insurance policy on your cat? Cat, C A T kitten. We yeah, it's, let's not go down the rabbit hole too much. But we we went to the Humane Society about three months ago and got two kittens two, from the same litter and didn't do insurance. And one one of them got really sick and we paid quite a bit of money to get you know find out and then it passed away and we spent more money. And I thought, man, we're not doing this crap again. We're getting insurance in case this this. Ah. So, so this is one where I'm willing to pay extra to ensure that I've got a healthy cat. Because if you got insurance, they stay healthy. If you don't have insurance, they get sick. That's how it works. Yeah, well, I get to hang out with uh, Laney's. Uh, his name is, uh, to everybody else, Zeke. I call him P. Rick. And if you put that together, that's what you get. P. Rick. Yep. So, yep. He's, uh, and what's funny about it is, you know who he likes the most is me. I have no idea why. I go, man, right? really? Yeah. So, well, they, they, yes, they, they P, P. They Rick or to... Zeke, as he's also referenced. Yes. Well, they are, they always buddy up to the abusive person, so maybe it's you got an abusive gene in your body. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. know if I'd call myself <laughs> abusive, but he, he will, uh, I, you know, I str- he likes to pull down the curtains, and for some reason he takes the lid off the Keurig all the time and pours the water out. I don't know why he does that. So <laughs> I, I think he's a little bit nuts. So I do yeah. think he's a little bit nuts. That's up. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 that joins us. I, I guess this is not a surprise because if you have a disappointing loss, as Sam Fran did in the Super Bowl, then somebody is probably going to have to fall on that proverbial sword. Uh, right. was, was Steve Wilkes the scapegoat of that situation? And I guess, are you surprised, you know, even with the continuity that Shane Steichen talks about enjoying having, are you surprised the Colts didn't make a similar move with their defensive coordinator? Oh, maybe, maybe because, you know, the, the numbers really didn't support Gus as much as maybe they did Wilkes. And again, I didn't follow the Niners all year, so and I read some of their stuff, and they weren't happy with some of the things that, that Wilkes did. What I laughed at was when, Monday, people were tweeting from Frisco that that that, that uh, Shanahan said, "Yeah, he said I anticipate all of our coaches being back." And that, and, and Shane Steichen said essentially the same thing two days after they lost because that's because they really haven't thought about it. And then you know, short time later, they they get rid of what was it two guys? So, yeah, I, I guess with Gus and I, I always defer to Rick Venturi because he's Mister Defense and knows all that stuff. Uh, they, they obviously they, they believe in Gus. They do. Now, whether they whether they attributed the issues, you know, the ranking in the bottom on on points and all that stuff, and third downs, and the fact that hey, we we, we really tied his hands with young, inexperienced secondary guys, and this is what you get. I don't know. I wouldn't have been surprised had they made the change. I wouldn't have. I'm I'm more surprised that they got rid of. Ollie, the D D line coach. I got. I thought he got. He got those guys. Forget the fifty one, the indie record fifty one sacks. I mean, I thought every one of those defensive linemen, and they played a bunch. You know, they play six, seven, eight guys, and like six of them, the top six had their best season, without question. We saw growth from all of those guys. So I'm thinking, God, what did what Ollie do? But you know, they, they make every team makes changes and. We'll never, we'll, you know, Mike Mitchell was let go. Well, that was sort of, <laughs> we sort of expected that. He kind of opened the door up himself on that, didn't yeah, he? He's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. So, but, but coaches, they, they, they tinker with staffs. And what's really amazing is, is unless I've missed something, that the, the Chiefs win, win it all and they've got everybody intact. You know, normally you lose. Yeah. You, you lose people. And they might get Eric the enemy back in some form or fashion. So, yeah, co- coaches always do that, and, and those of us in the media, when they make changes, we we say, "Boy, that was a that was a great addition to the staff because this guy's done this." And then two years later, we're set, we soured on whomever it is. So I don't get too bent out of shape over it. I wouldn't have been surprised if Gus had been let go because the, you, you you could make a strong case because of the numbers, the, the raw numbers. Uh, but again, the one with Ollie just kind of. 
surprise me, and we'll, and we'll never know. I don't think, well, you know, we wanted to make a change. We're comfortable with this guy from Pitt, but we'll never know. I don't think. Yeah, you mentioned the Chiefs, too. I mean, you, you, they may end up getting the enemy back, but, you know, you got uh, Matt Nagy. You had a lot of the guys that were involved in, you know, the time before last hiring cycle with the Colts. No? And, you know, Nagy was the guy that, if you remember, Brad Childress went on a radio show and talked about how he told Nagy that the wrong choice would be going to Indy. Yeah. So, it's what's funny about that is – I mean, it wasn't a great choice going to Chicago, but it sure as hell was a great choice going back to Kansas City because that quarterback's going to make you look like a genius uh, if you are a genius or if you aren't a genius. That's just ready-made. I think it's always great to have the, the hot coordinators are the ones that have the great quarterback. And, you know, we'll, we'll really – again, I, I always I go back to when the Colts hired Ted Marchabota back in the mid-'90s from Buffalo. He was our coordinator to be a head coach. And we always say, hey, you're going to bring the K-Gun with you? Well, yes, I can bring Kelly and Thurman Thomas and Andre Reed, and so. But but it's it's seldom do you see the guy that's got the the the, the crappy quarterback who ends up you know twenty fifth ranked is the hot guy. So, but but a lot of these guys I tell you, but, but it, it, you you look at it and again Shane Steichen he had uh, Jalen Hurts and and coming off that year and and it, and then you see Jalen Hurts kind of take a little step back in that offense kind of, and, and in that case they missed. Shane Steichen, they really did. So, it, it, it just if you if you get the right guy, then it's the right guy. If you go for it on fourth and two and don't make it, if you if you choose to to take the ball in overtime to start in the playoffs and you and you don't win, then you should on something. You should always do something else that doesn't work. So, that's why I say with with the Colts outlook and all the draft and free agency and all this stuff, I think Steichen does tip the scales a little bit more than, than maybe another coach would because I think he proved last year what his influence is and can be moving forward. So, And I hope so. I, I You and I both hope that they get off the schneid on free agency wide receivers. We've still got to yeah. get over the uh, – it's such a low bar uh, for, for free agent receivers to come in and do something. So may, maybe you and I will finally have something to talk about this year. Yeah, it'd be great, wouldn't it? I mean, you would think that it should be a perfect storm of, of finally really, truly doing what we have talked about so many years, considering who yeah, your yeah, coach I, is I, and I, knowing how he wants to run things. I just would prefer so. adding a veteran for you know, not, I mean, yeah. for medium as opposed to bringing a, another second or third round receiver because you got a couple of those guys. And let's let those guys develop and bring in that veteran presence. And what do we know? What do I know? It's uh, Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59 of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. Mike, I appreciate that. Have an outstanding weekend over there in Beach Grove, and we'll fire it back up and see what happens next week. And we're going to be a week closer to free agency and see how much of the conversation we have ends up being a complete waste of time per usual. So that's not that's how it goes. I've wasted a lot of my yeah. years, and I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. And enjoy your weekend downtown. I know you're a hoops guy, too, so enjoy the – one thing, and I've not followed up that much. I hope the NBA and all their braininess has found some way to incorporate the red, white, and blue ball prominently. Three-point yeah. shooting, a celebrity game. And then one other thing is they need to bring back, this is the ABA days, uh, Dancing Harry. I realize he's probably six feet under. But bring, yeah. but bring 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 in uh, long tall glasses by Leo Sher, and I'm telling you that I'll be in heaven. So that's I've only got those two requests. Other than that, enjoy the weekend. That's awesome, right there. That is well done with Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine.